Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight's program is going to be dedicated to the memory of Rabbi Yisrael Belsky Zatzal, who was a, a leader in Kashrus in, here in America, and of course in all other things as well. But his contribution in Kashrus is something that I'd like to focus on tonight. But before we do that, I want to make a quick announcement, and then I, uh, we have another thing we have to take care of, and then we'll be able to get right away to the topic. I'm going to share with you some things that I learned from Rabbi Belsky, some interaction I had with him, and we're going to hear from you if you'd like to contribute as well. Uh, at, the, at the beginning, at least, I'd like to keep it only on the topic of Yeridea and, and Kashrus, which was the area that I'm most interested in, his contribution. But uh, before we go on to that, I just want to make a quick announcement. I don't uh, guarantee that what I'm going to say is 1,000% accurate. I didn't do a lot of research, but something came across my desk, and I want to share it with everybody here. And that is that uh, there is a serious concern about the water that's in the airplanes. Um, there's this bottled water that comes out of a bottle. It's right, you buy a bottle here, you get a bottle in the plane, or whatever, however that comes out of a bottle. But what they're putting out otherwise is something that, uh, unless you're more certain that it's safe, I would strongly recommend uh, avoiding it. And I'm talking about two things in particular. One is, uh, you know, if you if you, is it, there's water in the, in, in, in the laboratory or in, the, in some other place to where you wash your hands outside, um, to consider that water clean is very questionable. And the water that comes out and they have these coffees, aside from the question about the container, the coffee, uh, the, the, the urn or whatever you want to call it, the, the coffee uh, container that they're serving with, is, aside from that question about kashras, because they wash it with non-kosher things, but the, the other aspect is that the, the water is in that same holding tank, and the chain, they, never get, they never clean them. This is what I was told by the people in the industry, that they're not cleaned at all. And the buildup inside, some of the airplanes are 60 years old. I'm sure the LL is not 60 years old. But, um, but some of the planes are quite old, and they're never cleaned inside there. And the, there's, there's an, inside uh, a lot of contaminants that you wouldn't want to have in your body. And therefore, when you go on a plane, it's better to get things that are uh, canned or whatever it is, but not to rely on the other things that are they're using water that comes from the tap and from the uh, and, and from where the hot water is being produced. So that's that's an advice. If you find that I'm wrong, I'm I'll be glad to announce the other way. Unfortunately, what I'm telling you is from people in the industry. So I, I I'm I think I'm a, I think I'm right, and I don't want to go through the details exactly why all this is a, is is an issue. Uh, before we go on with our program tonight, I want to say quickly a word about our sponsor, which is Glotmart, conveniently located at. 1205 Avenue M. When you think of, Gra of Glotmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. And at Glotmart, you'll save time by using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items that you purchased in the store. And here are a few sample items of what's going to be on sale starting on Wednesday, because the sales are from Wednesday to Tuesday. Um, family pack filet steak, $9.99 a pound. 
uh, beef chuck breast deckle, seven ninety nine a pound. Beigel's Ruggler, three forty nine. Raw tilapia fillets, three twenty nine a pound. Snapple, sixty four ounce, one eighty nine. Um, Lieber's mushrooms, the stems, uh, eight ounces, one dollar and nine cents. And in the dairy, have Haolam string cheese, eighteen count, seven ninety nine. Two times Spanish eggplant, seven ounce, two for five dollars. These are some of the sample items. There's about 50 items on sale in the store at any given time. And the Glatmart, the quality of the meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatikashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, at Glatmart, you're getting quality kashmas. Glatmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glatmart, tell them you heard about Glatmart on Kashmas on the Air over J Root Radio. And now I'm going to ask people to call in, but not now. So please give me a little time, and then we'll be able to um, to hear what, what hear or see what you are interested in talking about. I'm, I'm basically interested in talking about Rabbi Belsky and Pesukim, and I'm going to share with you some very interesting things. Not only what I learned, but also something you can get free. And I hope you can get a pencil and get keep it handy. I might repeat it a second time, but it's uh, something important, and you could scribble it down. First of all, if anybody wants to do the shiva, uh, it starts tomorrow, uh, because the people who are in, most of the people, most of the children were in, in Israel, but so and they they start seeing shiva there. It starts tomorrow, ends on Friday, and it's at five hundred six East Seventh Street, uh, between C and Cotelio Avenues, uh, from tomorrow until Friday. Now the there's a there's a safer that you can get. It's I mean, there's others from around, but not too many yet. Uh, one, this one is called Piske Halacha, written by Rabbi Moshe Leibovitz, who uh, has been on our show a few times already. He works for the Kuf K, and he was very close Talmud to uh, Rabbi Belsky's Zatzal. And he wrote a sefer. It's 167 pages, and I'm going to tell you how to get it free. And I took, I don't know if you know how this works, I, I made a tiny URL. There are 240 characters. I'd never be able to say this on the radio to tell you how to get it. But I'm going to tell you how you can get this. I only, only have to write down a few letters. Uh, you write www. I mean, you know, you have a, a two forward slashes. Tiny URL, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot com forward slash. And here's the only thing you really have to remember. h 7 d R seven R I again. That's tiny URL T I N Y URL dot com forward slash eight H seven D R seven R I. That's it. Twenty six characters. I got from two hundred and forty down to twenty six for you people. So you have an easy time getting it. And it's 167 pages. You can download the whole thing and you can check out, you keep it on your computer and check a lot of the interesting shows. They have a number of, of cautious areas uh, that he discusses over there. Basically, everything in the Safer is the Psukim of Rabbi Belsky, although there are many other people that are quoted there. And uh, in the footnotes, um, Rabbi Moshe explains how he got uh, uh, the Psukim and what Rabbi Belsky said about everything and where it's located and what the other people said and where they're, they're, they're Sukkim are located. A very, very, very helpful Sefer. I'm going to, if I have enough time, I'm going to read a little bit from the Sefer. 
uh, but I'm giving it to you. you can, everybody can enjoy it just as I have it. And uh, if you don't want to buy the actual book, so I don't know, but I don't know the price on it. But in hardcover, you can get it from uh, Rabbi Leibowitz. Call 718-744-4360. 718-744-4360. Anyway, a little bit about some of my experience with Rabbi Belsky's that cell. I mean, I, I go back a long time with Rabbi Belsky. Uh, one time I was, uh, it was one of the people that I, I contacted very regularly, Pekashas. And I'm going to share with you a couple of, of my uh, own incidents regarding Eruv. Because for about 20 years, I would, a lot less, I was running what they, we called the Eruv Committee of the uh, Goodest Israel. And we sent people out to different uh, bungalow colonies and camps throughout the mountains. And we even did some people's individual houses. And we helped them set up an Eruv, meaning uh, we'd come out there in the beginning and give recommendations how to do the Eruv. Or we would come and see uh, the Eruv that was there and make recommendations. And I relied very much on Rabbi Belsky in those years because he was always accessible. You just came to Camp Aguda and he had time for you. It was it was amazing, and you, he talked to you. You felt, you felt like there's nobody else in the world, just you and him. And he was able to explain anything to anybody, anything to anybody. That was his ability. Most complicated topics, he just zeroed in on on the main point you needed, and that's all he gave you. And you didn't have to worry. Not a question of understanding him. Not a question of what he meant. You you got it straight, and right away, it was beautiful. Anyway, I want to tell you quickly a story or two of experiences that I had with him about the Arif. You see, I was in these bungalow colonies, and whenever I came to a bungalow colony, somebody else had been there before. I mean, obviously, uh, that was my first year, and then somebody else had been there before, and somebody was in charge of the Arif. And however it was handled, they, they handled it in the bungalow colony. So one of the first times I, I called Rabbi Belsky, I, I, w- I was in a bungalow colony, very fine people over there. One of them is Rosh Yeshiva today, um, but, he, but the, they really didn't know anything about Arif. They really didn't. And uh, the, the owner of the camp, or the bungalow colony, I'm sorry, was uh, Talmud Chacham himself, and uh, also knew nothing about Arif. And I had been trained by Rabbi Eider, and uh, also by uh, Rabbi Belsky a little bit. I had a little little, little kasha with Rabbi of David Cohn in those days on 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 Erev. and uh, you know I felt I felt empowered. I got a lot of hands-on experience, and I, I I challenged what they were doing. So they didn't listen to me. I said I'd like to bring down Rabbi Belsky. So they said, okay, if you can bring down Rabbi Belsky, you're going to get Rabbi Belsky. Yeah, I'm going to get Rabbi Belsky. So I went over to ask, I asked him, and sure enough, he came. We went around the entire bungalow colony, and of course, everybody slept along with Rabbi Belsky's here, so he walked around with us. So we examined it. So he, every, everywhere he went, this has to be fixed, this has to be fixed, this has to be done over here, this has to be done over here. At the end of the day, I had written down 27 tikkunim that he recommended that we do. Now, maybe some of them were, you know, better than leaving it as it is, but 27 tikkunim. Now, since this was, this is meant to changing 27 places, so I was wondering, are these like, uh, you know, uh, it's the evidence it was no good. I want to find out what, are, you know, what we, are we, what is the status here? So when I asked, I said, Rabbi Belsky, um, 
what's the Gesh- what was the Geshen Let's the Shabbos? What was last week? Was everything okay? They said, let's not talk about ancient history. That was a classic line. Let's not talk about ancient history. In other words, I'm not going there. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to make trouble. I don't want to. But, you know, we don't have to, don't have to go there. We got to go further. And, of course, we put the 27 Tikkunim in. Now, in another bungalow colony I was at, this one, what can I tell you? This was like wall-to-wall Hushva people. I'm not mentioning any details about those people. Very Hushva people. And the person in charge of the area is a very lovely Talmud Chacham and somebody who really had some background. But I noticed right away two, two, few, two few problems. One was very uh, significant. It would, it would validate the area completely. And uh, he was totally unaware of it. And he didn't think it was anything. And I said, I think it is. I brought down Rabbi Belsky. Rabbi Belsky looked around. He told me to measure the thing and give him the results, and then we would know what, what has to be done. And sure enough, unfortunately, I was right, and uh, we had to uh, make a physical tikkun. I'm going to leave out the details. I don't want anybody to know where it is. And it cost the bungalow colony owner $600 for equipment, just for the equipment to do the job. That's how involved it was. There was another aspect there also in the same bungalow colony, and this is absolutely typical Rabbi Yisrael Belsky's atzal. This is typical Rabbi Belsky. We had to measure whether or something was we call tail hamislakate asarat tfachim besoch arba amos, meaning that it has to rise ten tfach, which is forty inches, within four feet, from six feet, six to eight feet. He had now the problem with a a, a wall that go, it doesn't go straight up. It's not a sheer wall that goes straight up. It it rises slowly. So there's a few steps and then and then and then juts up and then it, then it, then it plateaus out and it juts up again. And you have to figure out whether you're hitting ten tefachim from above the ground within four amos. That itself you don't have equipment for because you can't go through rock. You can't go through dirt it's impossible to figure it out. So Rybelski, this is a classic, classic, classic story. Rybelski extended his hand. He stuck out his hand, shoulder length, shoulder height, just stuck his hand out straight. And, and then, um, then he bent his knees and got down, Aldevi and Shmon Esrei, if you go deep, deep in Shmon Esrei, he's down just above the ground, and he says, that's ten tefachim. He had obviously done this so many times before that he had measured on his body what is 10 tefachim, what is 40 inches, without, without anything else. And he could tell by that extension of the arm, he could tell whether it, it reached it, at what point on the wall it reached it. And they, we made a mark there, and we were able to figure it out that it was within four amas it hit the the tenth Fachim, based upon by Belsky's bending his knees and extending his arm. You know, this this is this is no tape measure. The man was a living Shochan uh, and science and Menschlichkeit all wrapped up in one individual. It's unbelievable. Those are the stories that again, they're not Kashras. I'm gonna go on to Kashras now. And I'm gonna tell you I'm going to uh, 
debunk the biggest myth that exists. Everyone said Rabbi Belsky, much when Kashrus, he's a makel. Everything is makel. It's not true. People didn't understand. He called it like he saw it. It didn't matter if it hurt him. It didn't matter what it was. If he, if he felt it was mutter, it's mutter no matter what anybody says. And if he thought it's usher, he said it's usher no matter what anybody said. And that's how he lived his life. And people didn't know it because they always already heard he, Rabbi Belsky is making on this, and Rabbi Belsky was making on that, and some Rabbanim took a different approach. So it became an interesting discussion all the time on all the topics that would come up. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the earliest topics where this came up and the big cause the celebra happened uh, about 20 years ago, maybe a little more than 20 years ago, 22 years ago, I think. There was uh, the, the problem that came up with the, with the cows and the milk, and it really was a very big problem. It still is today a big problem, and uh, people have different opinions about it. But Rabbi Belsky's approach was that the OU can continue to give hashgacha on milk, even though they don't see the, the milking of the cows. They don't know if the cows had this operation, which is to uh, uh, to fix up something called displaced abamasim, where the stomach has a problem and it has to be fixed. Some people, some veterinarians use a manipulation. Some use a inject. They they insert a. Uh, uh, and sort of needle into the stomach to deflate the stomach, and that creates a little hole. And that's shyly of whether that hole makes the animal a trefer, and that's a big shyly. So anyway, I was learning Hilchus Trefus with my group on Sunday morning, and this is 20-something years ago, and uh, I, I, I said, uh, oh, we're learning Trefus, and this just came up. Let's learn it up now and go through it properly. This particular part about this, the hole in the stomach. So we switched over to that simon in Shulchan Aruch. It was only a you know page or two ahead of us, and we went over there and we learned that a week or two weeks, three weeks. I don't even remember how long we spent on it. And then I said, let's make an appointment to see. I'm going to go down to Rabbi Belsky and I want to see what he said because he said it's mutter. I want to see what he says. Anybody want to come with me? Of course, I had a group. And some of our people were, couldn't make it because it wasn't the, the Sunday morning slot. It was something else. I don't remember exactly when it was. And some people came with me. We come to Rabbi, I asked Rabbi Belsky. I said, I need a half an hour. He said, no problem. Come over. We made a time, and we came there. We were there for three hours. Three hours of his time he gave us because he saw we were learning it. We were interested in it. We had to know it. We wanted to know it. I mean, we were not poiskim. We're not giving hashkacha, but we wanted to know it. We were taking it seriously. We knew this. We knew this for him, and he had a good time. We had a good time. We were there three hours. At the very end, I don't know what, what made me ask this. I don't know why I asked this question, but I said to him, Rabbi Belsky, you know, I know, I know you're being makel, you know, on the milk. I said, but in this animal, if I know. That the veterinarian, because there was a question if whether the vet, with veterinarian does that procedure and whether how they do it exactly, I said, if I know the veterinarian did this procedure with the needle and he made a hole in the stomach with it, would you eat the? Can you eat the the? Uh, can you eat the, eat the cow? 
So he said, no, you can't, because it's, it is a, the Chuvah Sarashba. And uh, we had learned about that Chuvah Sarashba. And he said, no, I wouldn't trust it. You can't, you can't eat it. He says, how can you permit the milk? So he explained there was a, ver- it was a combination of a number of sveikas that were involved, and putting that together, he, he felt that sveik sveika, which is a halacha, you know, it, it, it created enough of a suffix that we don't have to even go there and worry about whether or not any particular cow that had been done to. And that was his position. And that's, and it was, but, but it was extraordinary to me that the amount of time he gave us and the covet he gave us. And, you know, and this, was, this, is, this is typical of, of Rabbi Belsky's itself. I'm going to tell a couple more stories. I see I'm going to run. I mean, there's, I could go on not just for one day. I could go on for weeks. But I, I'm just going to try to give you a couple more stories because I see the time is moving along. And, and anybody who wants to call in now, 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Only stories about Rabbi Belsky. Preferably, Yeridea or Kasha Shal, as you asked him, or you heard from him, or something like that nature. I really don't want to go into just uh, uh, plain things about him. He, he, he was an extraordinary individual. Somebody told me already how he taught him how to swim, and and, and other people were talk, commenting me about how he saw them playing ball with the playing playing uh, handball with the boys uh, always every summer. I, I'm uh, people told me a lot of stories, and I and I I, I got to tell you this story. This is my my son-in-law told me this story. This story is, is a classic. It seems they were, he, he taught shechita to the boys in the yeshiva. And they were, they were going to shecht a few different chickens. And anyway, there was a, they, they were trying to, to, to get shecht within a day or two, whatever. And they took a chicken and they put it in the house wherever they were staying. And um, then they, they went to the, to the Rebbe and they said, Rebbe, you know, the chicken is very listless. It looks like it's going to die. So he said, what are you feeding it? So they told him whatever you're feeding him. So he said, "You don't. It, it's going to die because you don't feed it stones." What? You don't? We don't feed it stones? <laughs> no, you, you you have to feed it stones. Feed it stones? He said, "Yes. You know, a chicken. Their 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 digestive system is such that they don't have enough power in there to digest the food that you're giving them." They need something to help it grind. So in a natural environment, the chicken is pecking away at the ground and it gets little pebbles, little stones in its system. Not in big ones, not a million of them, but enough to make it help it grind. You don't, you're, not getting, you're not giving it the stones. And they did it, the little stones, whatever pebbles, I don't know what size they were, but it should be very small, I'm sure. And the chicken got better. <laughs> so uh, that's, uh, that's a very uh, typical uh, Rabbi Belsky story. I, I, I want to share with you uh, another story f- that I heard from my son-in-law uh, who had been learning in Torah Vidas with Rabbi Belsky. And I, I know you know that, uh, I think everybody, if you were at the Levi or you heard the Levi, by the way, you can still hear the Levi in a number of places. Uh, I'm not going to tell you right now because I don't remember exactly where, where they are, but you could hear that Levi. It's, uh, it's been saved on a number of websites. So it's not, not difficult if you just type in, I think, uh, Rabbi Israel Belsky uh, funeral. You're going to get re- the full thing recorded with all of the drushes. I heard that some of the drushes in Eretz Israel 
yesterday in Jayrut that were extraordinary. But the, I don't know if that's still available, but certainly what, uh, what, what was done here is available, and you, can, you should really, if you've never heard much about him, it's, it's worth the few hours you're going to give to it. Anyway, back to this story. Anyway, my, my, my son-in-law is there. He's one of the people who, was, who went down with Rabbi Belsky uh, to the OU offices. Seems that uh, Rabbi Belsky started to take boys from his shear on a rotational basis down to uh, OU when he went on Thursdays, and um, they, they would get some training. And they learned a lot of on, they, 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 got, he, they heard him answering questions from around the world, from different rabbinical coordinators for the OU from around the world. They heard him deal with every kind of shally you could imagine. They, they met with the people in the office of the OU. It was, what can I tell you, this is, it was an opportunity of a lifetime for them and probably helps a lot of them decide what they want to do in life. It was, it was something that you, you, you simply cannot get, and it's there with their Rebbe. It's, it, it's an amazing story in itself, and this is one thing that happened one day. So they were reviewing a certain uh, question. There's a rabbi there who works with Rabbi uh, Belsky Zatzal and who works with uh, Rabbi uh, Schachter, who also was a Yoyet Tzolocha. Rabbi Belsky did not run the OU. Rabbi Belsky did not paskin for the OU. Rabbi Belsky was what they call a Yoyet Tzolocha, a halachic advisor, of which there were two at that time. And uh, Rabbi Ganak is the head of the OU. And however the decision was made in the end, with whatever Rabbi Ganak felt from all the information that was given to him, how they put it together, um, it, it, it was a combination. And sometimes they had to go this way, and sometimes they decided to go that way. So that, that's not uh, something that we know much about. But anyway, they have a person. You want to call him a rabbinic secretary? I don't care what you call him. He's a Talmud Chochem. And he sits there dealing with the questions, and he types into the computer. So Rabbi, he's asking Rabbi Belsky these questions, and they're going to be typed in as psukim from Rabbi Belsky on these particular topics. So he passed into a certain Shiloh about a certain company. And the rabbi, who's doing the typing in, says, he, just, he saw when he put, punched in this information, it came up in the computer that the same Shiloh had been asked of Rabbi Belsky 20 years before, and he said the opposite. <laughs> he said, you know, you're telling me this is the psak, but we have written here in our computer 20 years ago a different psak from you. So Rabbi Belsky said, which company was it? So he named the name of the company. Says, oh, that was different. <laughs> Classic thing. Classic Rabbi Belsky. That was different. And he went on to explain to the rabbi, young, young rabbi, why that case was different than this case. Unbelievable. It's going to be very sorely missed, not just in the OU, around the world. I, I, I'm going to ask anybody who, if you have a story about Rabbi Belsky, call in now. We have a couple of callers, and then we can get back to some of the ones that I have in case we still have time. Go ahead. You're on the, go ahead. Only, only on Rabbi Belsky. Uh, no, I can't, I can't answer Pasha's questions now. Not, not in this. Not, there's just too much to, I, I owe him, I owe him a debt. Rabbi Belsky uh, and I shared a few different things. One thing is that I sent boys to him, to, not boys, young men. I sent some of my Talmudim to him to learn Yeridaya, 
and occasionally he sent people to me to learn Yeridayu. I don't think they were Talmidim of his, but people came to him, they're looking for a place, and he would call me up and say, would you be able to take this young man? So uh, th this was, we had an association. In the, so I, 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 I owe him a little bit. I want to tell you, uh, Rabbi Ganak said it at the Levaya. He said, if it weren't for Rabbi Belsky, no one would be eating fish. Now, I don't know for sure what he meant, but I think I know what he meant. Because I have a few shots him on that. <laughs> but he said that if it weren't for that, we wouldn't be eating fish. Now, there is a, a whole issue of Anasakis. My position, and I didn't make it up, is not the way Rabbi Belsky went. Rabbi Belsky uh, said that he's not concerned about the Anasakis in the fish. I went with the other Rabbanim who held that there is an issue. And I spent a lot of time working on this topic. But in halacha, I don't have any uh, ability compared to Rabbi Belsky. So I'm not, I'm not discussing that. I'm talking about the raw research that I know about the, uh, the insects, uh, the, the, uh, not the insects, the parasites and how they grow, etc. I was aware of that for a while, and I was writing about it for a long time. And people didn't agree with me, although Rabbanim and Artsrel passed in that way, but in America, people were, were, were not agreeing with me. But when Anasakis came out, when people became aware of Anasakis, at that time, people switched and said there is a problem with fish, and it created a big stir. But Rabbi Belsky was makel on that, and I think that that's what Rabbi, Rabbi Ganak was referring to. Anyway, I'm telling you a story that happened, um, and, and I'm getting a little insight from Rabbi Belsky. As I talked to Rabbi Belsky about this topic uh, at least once directly, just me and him, well, we met somewhere, and the other, and and then he gave this, uh, he he made this announcement publicly um, for the different rabbanim, and that's what I'm going to refer to now. So the Gemara clearly says that darna, which is worms in fish's flesh, is not usher; it's mutter. But the Gemara also says that you can't eat a worm that comes in from the outside. So we have a problem here because we know the anasakis is coming in from the outside. And it's, and so how could you say that it's growing inside the fish? Plus the fact, growing inside the fish and it never came from the outside, that means that it, 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 the fish flesh produced worms? You know, the Gemara might have meant that. And that's a hard thing because scientifically it doesn't hold water, at least, at least the way we understand science. So uh, it's, a, it's a big issue of science and halacha, one of the biggest topics. Anyway, Rabbi Belsky at first explained to me that worms, the, the, the growth of the worm is when it's in the fish. The, the worm may have come in, but it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't visible. So now when it's in the fish, then it happens to grow to size in the fish. So it's called growing in the fish. That's how we interpret the Gemara. And that, that made sense, um, the old worms that we were talking about, even though I was of the opinion that we might, should be machmir. But, but, but what happened with the anasakis is that we know the anasakis comes into the fish when it is already big enough to be seen. So he, un, he explained the Gemara in a different way. He said that, that, that the, when it comes into the fish, it's within something else. It's coming in zooplankton or whatever it's being swallowed up by the fish. 
or some host fish, and that's how it's getting swallowed into the fish. So when those parasites come in that way, the produce anisakis, so they they are not visible to the naked eye anyway because you don't see them because they're inside something else. So the question is: Is it the size when it comes in that's important? Is it the visibility? And what did the Gemara mean? It's a whole interesting topic. But there were those people who wanted to claim that the Anasakis, just even today, is somehow being produced by the fish. It doesn't come from the outside. It's produced by the fish. And this Rabbi Belsky could not handle. He felt the halacha was to be cool, the makel. He felt that the halacha is that these, these worms are, are, are the way the Gemara said, it's darna and it's kosher worms and whatever. And he felt that the shulchan, Gemara and the Shulchan Aruch are immutable. And, there's no other, and that's, this is how he understood the Gemara and the Shulchan Aruch. But to somebody should say something that is scientifically unsound, he would refuse to, he refused to accept that, which many people do. They say, uh, no, it, it's coming about within the fish itself. The, 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 they're saying, who, who said it came from the stomach? You know, you, you, you see it in the, in the flesh, but maybe it didn't came through the stomach. And this is what Rabbi Belsky did. I was there in the room, and I was sitting right in front of him. And he was literally inches from my chair. And he banged on the, on the back of my chair, <laughs> not knowing it was my He's banging on a chair. He just, you know, he was, he was, so, he was so intense about this topic. He banged on the chair, and he said repeatedly, from shacious you may bracious, there never was a worm in a fish that didn't come through the stomach. <laughs> he said that from the time God created this world, every worm in the fish came through the stomach. We cannot learn the Gemara that way, that, that, that it, it, was gen, it was generated from the fish itself. Can't learn the Gemara that way. In other words, maybe... The halacha is correct, and the and the shulchan aruch is correct, and the and the and the, and the, and the, uh, the gemara is correct, and there is no problem with the gemara itself. We have to understand the gemara, but to say that the that the, that the, uh, the science is false, he refused to accept that. There are other people among us who say science is false, can't believe science, and therefore whatever you know, if it's a contradiction between science and religion, uh, we're right, and science is is wrong. What the Rabbanim is saying, and I had this with another a bunch of other Rabbanim as well, you can't deny what you see with your eyes. We know what we know. We have to explain it. We have to explain the Gemara. We have to understand the Gemara. We have to, we have to know what the Gemara meant. That we have to do. We, have a, uh, we can't say the Gemara is wrong. We can't say the Shulchan Aruch is wrong. We have to live with it. No question. But we have to put it together. We can't deny what we see with our own eyes. And it was interesting to me how strong-willed he was about that topic, that even though this would have been a way to permit it, but he would not let you deny science and something that everybody knows and seen with his naked eye and that and all the scientists have written about, and, and he knew it in his bones, and he wouldn't let anybody, wouldn't anybody uh, uh, use a false uh, heter to, to, go, to go about uh, permitting the fish. Uh, an extraordinary story. I, 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 I till this day, bang on that, that, that. Everybody who was at the meeting remembers that was a, it was a classic uh, statement of his. It, it shows so much about the man and and the conviction and the sharpness and 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 the ability to 
take what the halacha is and the Gemara and, and the science and put it together in a meaningful way. Uh, we have any calls? No? Okay. Nobody, want, nobody has anything about Kashrus and about Rabbi Belsky? Fine. Le what? No, I don't want Kashrus questions. I want to finish this topic a little bit more because I, I owe it to the people. I owe it to, to Rabbi Belsky's itself. And, and, and I think this is very important. I want to share with you another story. I was invited to a chasana. I sat at the chasana. The truth is, Rabbi Belsky was at the same table. It was a very big table. I wasn't sitting next to him at all. But near me was sitting a doctor whom I know from, 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 de from decades already. And the doctor says, Rabbi Wickler, can I ask you a question? Okay, you can ask me a question. He said, you know, Rabbi Mavosha Feinstein was makel on the topic of lack bugs. There's a... Uh, uh, lac resin, uh, it, it, it's, it's called shellac in English. Sometimes they call it shellac. It's in all these candies. They call it shellac. And uh, some hold it straight, and some hold it's kosher because it's produced by a bug, the lac bug, L-A-C. The lac bug produces some substance which we call shellac. It's like a resin, and it's popular in, in making glazing on the on, on candies. So uh, Moshe was Mekel, and a lot of Rabbanim Amachmir. And this doctor's asking me, how come Moshe was Mekel? You know, the only time we ha have a heter of something that's produced by, the, by, the, uh, by an insect that's kosher is the bee honey, because the Torah says it, the apostle in the Torah. But how can you be mocked to something that comes from the body? The growing the Shulchan Aruch, so you can't take anything that came from the body. And uh, so how can Rabbi Moshe, Moshe be mocked to this? So I said, you know, it's a good question. I'm not a bucky in science. <laughs> I'm not familiar with all of this. But there's a Jew over there, Rabbi, Rabbi Belsky. And he, I, I took him over to Rabbi Belsky, introduced him. He didn't ever met Rabbi Belsky before. And I said, hey, maybe you can handle this child for this, you know, this doctor I know very well. And sure enough, I heard them starting to discuss it. I didn't hear the whole discussion. But it seems that the doctor came over to me afterwards and he said to me, amazing, absolutely amazing. He described the anatomy. He described the, the, the system that, that by which produced this resin. He described and compared it to the, to the honey. I, I, I got a whole sheer in science. This is a doctor talking, and who knows, uh, who knows the anatomy. A whole sheer in science from Rabbi Belsky on how this works. Flabbergasted. And he said to me, I've got to tell you a little secret. I have a few of these questions, and I, and I put them aside. And anytime I see some, a Rav, who should know something about an area, I ask him questions. He has certain key questions to ask. And he was absolutely thunderstruck by how Rabbi Belsky handled it. The classic thing that people didn't understand, how much ability the man had in any area on a, in a second, he would answer in a second. We have a call? No. Okay, we got a call. Go ahead. You're... You're on cautious on the air. Can we help you? You want to comment on Rabbi Belsky's Atzal? Yes, I work out this is Avram. How are you? Baruch Hashem, Avram. Go ahead. Yeah, I think you should spend a few shows on him, but I don't know if you have time. <laughs> well, listen, right now, you're the first call that we had that we want to even mention. It's funny to me. I heard, I, I heard um, Yoli Carr Thursday night. Uh, actually, I don't know if I heard Thursday night. I think I maybe been Thursday night. I heard a little bit of it. His phone was ringing nonstop. With right, or, right. <laughs> I, I don't know. People, people are waiting the whole week to call you with Kashmir Silas, so that's why I they're, they're waiting. I, 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 this, this man, 
was a major part of our lives, whether you know it or not, whether people know it or not, everybody has been impacted by Rabbi Belsky's Atzal. And anyone who met him is never, could not stop talking about him. So we're, we're not talking about uh, a waste of time. It, this, no matter what they hear, it's, it's helpful. But I wanted to zero in on, on Kashrus because that's our show, and I want to feel that I'm doing as much as I can on the topic, but I didn't want to lose opportunity to say a few words about Rabbi Belsky. Go ahead. Okay, okay. I'm not going to talk about the Kashrus, about the Kashrus of the person. It happens to be that <laughs> I did not learn into Avadas. I learned in me Yeshiva. But I had a spot from Rabbi Belsky. I have two stories on Rabolsky. Unfortunately, I didn't get to, to know him a little closer. But uh, one story goes back 20 years ago about uh, I had a shot of a Cheshem Mishpat, which took place in Etzisrael with a car, someone else's car, all story. And uh, I had to live at Etzisrael, so I came back to America, and uh, somebody told me, you should go speak to Rabolsky. I'm not sure if I called him or I just came into his house. He told me what time to come. But I, I never met him before, and as soon as I, like, I was nervous because he's, he's a god of terror, and I, who am I? He took me into his house, like I was, like, he knew me, and he sat me down, and he made me feel so good, like, 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 uh, what's my shy, like, like, he has all the time in the world for me. And then he listened, listen, and, like, you think to yourself, like, this, I, I, I'm saying the question for five minutes, and in two seconds he tells me, Oh, it's a shach over there. In Fashemish, but this is the halacha. What got me upset was when the other person had to sell into a different price and got a different stock. I said, it cannot be. Rabelsky <laughs> said like this. And I went to speak to our office. I told him, Rabelsky said, it's halacha. I cannot be. can be. The only reason why I sent some money to the person later was because I felt I don't want to make a machoikas. I wanted to feel good. But I felt that if Rabelsky said so, this is the halacha. He knows what he's talking about. Right. That's the first Maisa. Right. And, and the second Maisa, I heard it from my Chavrusa, but I know, Rabelsky and Gampagula, besides all the things he did, he also gave every day the Fayoimi. Yeah. And many times I heard the way he explained, and Mamash, he knew, you know, he put his all Chachma, Chachma Sa'el, Amatera, into every line. He knew how to explain things. Like, like you would never know, what's the Gemara mean over here? But he had all the knowledge from everywhere. He would say, that's what the Gemara means. As astronomy, whatever you know, Shoshana, Psachim, anywhere, you would not, you would connect all the dots. So, uh, so it just amazed me that, uh, like, for years, it took, took place for 34 years, of Belsky saying the Shenda Fayemi. You know, this is like the Godadar, <laughs> but uh, doesn't make a difference. He's saying Shenda Fayemi. I mean, like, you don't get someone else to take over. You might be very busy, doesn't uh, Belsky didn't feel like it was not a Shechwaidai. Right. Why don't you think he does? He's a Fayemi. He didn't, that's that's, not, a, that's an amazing no story. What? To me, at the Lovaya, the most moving thing of Ram was the fact that everybody who spoke spoke it by a different person. No two people knew the same Rabbi Belsky. Right. You, had, you had the children talking about kinds of things that they got from him. You had, you, 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 you had Rabbi Ganak talking about the... You know the challenge and the help that he was in the office, where he, his opinion was strong, and then really, and he stood up for everything. And it, it, it was a was a whole different look at him. And you have these uh, Rosh Hashivas talking about Haimaz Rosh Hashiva. Really, every person contact who had communi- communication with him had their own personal stories and their own personal connection with him. 
He wasn't a one-sided individual. He was very, very complex and was very, very important for that, for, to, to help so many people. One person could not have done this unless he was so diverse. He was, uh, if you can borrow the term, he was, he was the jack of all trades in, in Taira. Right, right. Thank you very much, Thank you very much for calling. I, I'm going to continue, and then we'll, if we have time, we'll, we'll definitely open it up. As a, you know that Jerut has a story also about uh, Rabbi Belsky. Okay, go ahead. No, but uh, when we had some uh, issue with... Uh, you mentioned from, something. I heard all, you yeah, mentioned that. And I, I really wanted to know if I'm doing right things or not. I, I said, you know, people come to me with a story that the rabbis told me not to get, to get out, you know, to, get, to close the radio station. And I, I, had, to, uh, I had to ask... Uh, Rabbis, to, to check if I'm doing right or not. So we, we had an appointment. This guy arranged an appointment. And he's really, you know, accept me like like a, a family member. And he said uh, what he said. Basically, tell me I continue the good words, work. And that's what, what the story. Later, I met him as he was a moel. One of the few things I didn't mention that he did, they didn't mention Levi, not a single person, he didn't, Levi here, I don't know if they mentioned in Israel, perhaps, but Levi here, I don't, I don't think anybody mentioned. No, he was a Moel, so I was in a Brit Milan that he was a yeah. Moel over there. Yeah. And he just, you know, said, uh, big Yishakoch for the radio, and I was, was very amazed that he knew with all the details and stuff like this. He was, and he, you know, the, the story that he, my Mechuten is working under, he, under I was is one under him, you know, Nisim, yeah. the chef of yeah. the, the Torah Adat. Uh-huh. So he called me, you are Karov, you are Karov, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he knows that he definitely knew how to deal with people. No question about it. Let, let me go on to a few, a few topics that I think would be very wor- worthwhile hearing. This is, uh, this is really a cover for him. Rabbi Belsky had a psak about convection ovens. And uh, I mean, I think everybody now, I'm hopeful everybody knows, but they don't, probably don't, that convection ovens are big problems for bichlakum. Commercially, they use a lot of convection ovens today. And when you use a convection oven, a lot of times what they do in cooking is they put the, the food in for a while, they take it out, and they, and they put seasoning on it, and they put it back in again and maybe take it out again and baste it. There's a few different times they might take it out. And each time you take it out, the oven goes off. When you put it in, it goes on again. At that point, if a goy is taking out the food and then putting, it, you know, putting something on it, and he puts it back in and closes the door, then he has lit the oven. And then the oven becomes, and then the oven becomes uh, his cooking, not your cooking. So you have a problem from Bishel Akum. Rabbi Belsky had a shtickel hetter, which he mentioned, and I had heard it from him directly when he had a, we had a presentation for different Rabbanim and was there for that from the Akum meeting, and he was very interesting. He said that you need 170 degrees. If it doesn't cool down below 170 degrees, then you could uh, consider it to be the cooking of the first person who put it in. But he explained clearly, the 170 degrees is not the temperature in the oven. It's the temperature inside the pot of food in the oven. That's what has to be 170. It has to be able to bring up the pot 
to the 170, or maintain the, the pot at 170 degrees. So that means that the air of the, of the, in the oven has to be 200 and something in order to maintain 170 inside the pot. And all this was explained. Uh, I have somebody who works for me, for Conscious Magazine, who is Talmud of Rabbi Belsky. And he asked me to, um, to mention, I believe, this, uh, the story about this convection oven. And I wrote it up. And it was printed in the magazine a few, uh, maybe seven, eight years ago. I don't know, maybe even more. I don't remember how many years ago it was. Not, not too many, but seven, eight years ago, let's say. And I found out afterwards that there's a Rosh Yeshiva who built a big yeshiva, who has a number of ovens. And when he read the article in Kashrus Magazine, the Rosh Hashiva, when he read the article in Kashrus Magazine about the convection ovens, he told the staff, change all of our ovens. And he had to put a bypass in or buy new ovens. All of the ovens had to be changed because the article and all was the Zeshus of Rabbi Belsky, who was spearheading things. Beer, anything. We don't know how much impact we have in our lives. This is yeshiva, very big yeshiva. We don't realize the impact that he had in our lives, whether you met the man or you didn't meet the man. That, that's who this is what Rabbi Belsky was. Uh, I want to share with you this, uh, the person for this, for this, uh, Rabbi Belsky? Okay, fine. You're on the air. Go ahead. You're on Kosh on the air. Can we help you? Yes, hello. Um, first of all, I want to say I've known him for about 25 years, Rabbi Belsky. And as a neighbor of his, just want to share first one um, thing he had told me. Obviously, when this sack, and you always double check with the rav. But one point on Friday night, we had forgotten to turn off the the uh, turn on the crock pot. So we didn't know if it was mooks or not mooks. Up, put it in the oven. Not put not put it in the refrigerator. Not put it in the refrigerator. And I walked over with my kids to Belsky's house and knocked on the door, and I asked him the question. And on the spot, he remembered the Gemara. And he said, the Gemara says you're allowed to move food from the Hama to tail so it doesn't spoil, so you're allowed to put it back in the fridge. So, like, just, and this was constant. I mean, I know for many years, and I, I used to walk with him to, to Yeshiva once in a while, and these things just on the spot, wherever you ask for. Other about when many times you ask a child, the rebuttal would be misup. Like, I went to Rebelsky, and I got the answer on the spot that from was, any source. That was very, that, that was very common. There, were, there, there are many Rosh Yeshivas and Rebellion. But to, to feel the confidence in halacha, it, it, it takes a certain kind of personality. I want you to know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest rub in the world. I'm a very small person. But you would be surprised at the, the people who call me up and ask Shilas, wives of, of Tami Chachamim, because they're not necessarily familiar with the workings of halacha, and especially a specialized area in Kashra, sometimes they just don't know the answer. And my Rebbe is outside. I used to tell stories about Rechash Rabbanim who who missed Psak and the Halacha. But there's no question about that. But Rabbi Belsky had that. He had, he had the knowledge. He had the confidence. He had the... Uh, he, he, uh, but uh, the main thing I love is the fact that he could say it to anybody. And, he sang, and it sounded poshit. He sounded, you know, uh, uh, even the speech was poshit, simple. Nothing over anybody's head brought down right to their level. And also, you people have to realize that Rabbi Belsky ran the Masmidim program for high school and they marriage Bachem in the summer. Here you have a person who, besides being a guy and a genius, right. was giving a year for the high school and spending time with them and going on trips all through the summer. 
and, and so he was bringing himself down to the well. level of even of, of all Bachim of all ages to spend time with them. And even if you were not a master in Camp Aguda, you had the access to Rebelsky right. to ask him anything. Even a child could tech would go over to him and ask right. him his own question. He was just there for everybody. And he was always sitting outside on the porch there. He could catch him any time. He, he played ball with the, with the guys. He swam. He, he taught them swimming. I'm telling you, there he was a rare individual that we that we met and uh, impacted on all of us. Thank you very much for the call. Also, can I ask you one more, one more question? Sure. They said at Levaya that because of Rabbi Belsky, we eat fish today. I don't know if you. I didn't listen to the entire show. Oh, uh, it. How was it that Rabbi Belsky mastered I, the I eating of fish went, for today? I went there and I talked about that. You're gonna you're gonna have to listen to it. I, I'm gonna. You call seven one eight five zero six nine nine. You have to listen to that part. It's all. I mean, I believe that they were referring to Anasakis. But I want to tell you something else. Since you brought it up, you're a nice fellow. I brought it up. I'm going to tell you something. And this, nobody knows except me. That's why I, I, my initial reaction was he was talking about the other thing. And I wasn't talking about that. But people told me that that's probably what Rabbi, Rabbi Ganak meant about the fish. With the, Rabbi Belsky found out that a number of uh, people in the fish business the Hamisha fish companies, or fish people, I'm not the companies, the Hamisha fish, uh, let's say, uh, store, or whatever it is. I'm not sure who it was, if it meant uh, people who make a filter fish or it meant people who, who have, sell, have, sell fish in the store, but they were going down to the Fulton fish market and buying fish without any simonim on it. With the, they're buying filleted fish, assuming that this guy you see over here, he's got a thing, he's only cutting flounder, and he's selling me flounder. That's what they were buying. And Rabbi Belsky screamed about it. He talked about it publicly. He tore into them. He told everybody they're from and they're Hamish and they're this. And they're giving you think, fish that's usser. And, that, and he would talk about it. He was very, very strong-willed about it. And I don't, I don't know if it made an impact or not. That's what it came to my mind. People tell me that's not what it was. It was really about the other thing with the Anasakis, where he was, he's making on the Anasakis based on the, well, I explained before. Yeah, that part I heard, yeah. But based on the idea that, that it's true, the Anasakis may be visible. He said to me like this, not always is big enough to see. And even if it is big enough to see, but it's not coming in loose, it's coming inside something else, therefore you don't see it. That was his, that was his understanding of how the, the Gemara could say that it grew inside the fish when we know it came from the outside, because he said, from Shaysh's, you may braces, there never was a worm in the fish that didn't come through the stomach. Okay? Yep, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, uh, for your memories. Uh, I just want to share with you a last one, and the time is pretty much out. Somebody called me up, a fellow. He had a Shiloh. He had found out that he, 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 he was cooking fi uh, fish, in the uh, in the oven, and he saw that uh, that there was uh, chicken or meat or whatever it was left over in the, from Shabbos in the oven, and that they both been in the air. They both been in the, uh, the oven at the same time. So I asked him a number of questions about how the proximity to the top of the oven and uh, how how close it was to the meat, etc. And I told him you can't eat the you can't eat the fish. So so he's. This is a person who never took my word at anything. He was called the different Rabbanim. He got Rabbi Belsky after a whole long day. Rabbi Belsky came in. 
11, 11.30 at night to his house. He caught him, and he asked him to Shiloh again, because he's, Rabbi Belsky's bigger than me. <laughs> so, so he says, so Rabbi Belsky told him, Tumutter. So he called me back and said, you see, you were wrong. You have to change your sock now. And I, I said, no, I was right. My case, I asked you the questions. I asked you how high up it was. It creates a vapor cycle. It's true. The, the smell of the fish and the meat, that isn't the problem of meat and fish. But the, but the problem of the reich azeah, that the moisture that goes up to the roof of the oven and comes down into the pot of fish that you had right up to the top, that's the shallow that I had, and you didn't ask that of Rabbi Belsky. So even though he thought it was a machlokas between us and he wanted to go for Rabbi Belsky, I told him that he never asked the shallow properly. <laughs> that's, that's a classic story. Uh, I, I, will, I thank everybody for listening to this, uh, this uh, uh, evening about Rabbi Belsky. This wasn't just to, uh, uh, you know, just to, to talk about the man, because we, we, you go on forever about the man. But people have to realize that he impacted on our lives and that, that we are better for having somebody that, like that in our midst. He's irreplaceable. And even though I heard the, Rabbi Feinstein talked about it yesterday in Eretz Israel, you can replace the different people, but you can't replace this man. This man was extremely unique, and anyone who met him with anything to do with him is not the same. And we, we thank HaKadosh Baruch for giving us the opportunity to have shared our life with somebody on the level of Rabbi, uh, of Rabbi Yisrael Belsky Zatzal. This is uh, your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kasha's Magazine. If you have, want to talk about anything or discuss with us what we, we show on the uh, we discuss on the show, you can reach us at 718-336-8544, and somebody will return your call, 718-336-8544. And you could uh, also, you could contact us by email at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. I'm just going to mention the name of that, that book again, which you can get free on the, uh, where I told you. The name of the book is Piske Halacha from Rabbi Bels, about Rabbi, Bels, Rabbi Belsky's Psukim from my Moshe Leibovitz. It's 167 pages. It's fantastic. And here's where you go. www. Uh, double slash uh, uh, double forward slash tinyurl.com and then forward slash h7dr7ri and you'll be able to get it over there. Thank you for listening to Cautious on the Air.